0: we're gonna have a great time tonight we have a live audience everybody say hello. hello so we are going to talk about three kinds of faith or three levels of faith and you might say to yourself well you know so and so seems to have faith or they got more faith or we're gonna break down faith tonight into three different categories biblically three different levels and you're gonna grow from faith to faith tonight and you're gonna go from outer courts faith to inner courts, faith to holy of holy faith, and we're gonna get into it and you're gonna to begin to understand why things manifest when faith is in the room. You know, faith worketh by love. So if there's no love in the room, faith to work miracles uh is limited, but when love is present, when you love somebody more than their issue, miracles, signs, wonders, healing, faith for salvation, deliverance and provision manifest so tonight we're going to talk about three faith levels from the scripture we're going to talk tonight about outer courts faith inner courts faith and holy of holies faith we're going to talk about the 30 fold the 60 fold the 100 fold we're going to talk about egypt the wilderness and canaan land we're going to talk about how we grow from faith to faith everybody when they're born again gets A measure of faith. Everybody has been given a measure of faith before you're born again. Everyone has a measure of faith. You can take that measure and you can grow How many want to grow their faith in the Lord tonight? Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. When we look at Jesus, faith grows. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes by seeing Him in the midst of the storm. When we take our eyes off of him the sea walker jesus in the midst of the storm and we look at the winds and the waves of adversity or circumstances faith begins to diminish and we now begin to look at the problem instead of the solution we begin to look at the situation instead of the one who created everything from beginning to end I just want to share tonight, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, you are a three-part being. You are a three-part being, all of us. You know, just like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is one God, but three different distinct persons here, you are a three-part or a tripart being, even though you're one. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, And may your whole or entire spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, a very significant and keynote verse tonight. Now may God sanctify you. May the God of peace, the God of shalom himself, himself sanctify you we consecrate ourselves unto the lord but he sanctifies us so we can't sanctify ourselves it's him that does the sanctification the cleansing it's us that submits or yields or consecrates ourselves unto the lord so we consecrate ourselves he sanctifies us and how does he sanctify us he sanctifies us completely in spirit and in soul and in body By the washing of the water of the word i want to share with you the difference between the outer courts the inner courts and the holy of holies romans 6 1 through 2. what shall we say then shall we continue in sin that grace may abound god forbid how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein so we're dead to sin but alive with god in christ jesus So the first area of sanctification and faith building or moving from a measure of faith in the outer courts is when we begin to consecrate ourselves unto the Lord and we begin to get sanctified in that area where the deeds of the flesh get cut off and we begin to walk in the spirit, no longer walking in the works of the flesh. Okay, so that's the outer courts. That's the flesh. That's Egypt. The inner courts is the soul realm. The mind, the will, the emotions of man, the imaginations, casting down imaginations and every high and pretentious thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and taking every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10 says, Romans 7, 14 through 17. It says, for we know that the law is spiritual. This is the apostle Paul speaking. Now, the apostle Paul had memorized the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, by age seven. He was a brilliant scholar, yet he himself knew that he struggled in some areas. So that encourages me, I imagine it encourages you, if somebody with that kind of scriptural knowledge and a road to Damascus experience, baptized in the Holy Spirit, blinded by the light for three days, Ananias comes, lays hands on him, and then he gets his sight and he's filled with the holy spirit and he struggled and he wrote this 14 years in for we know that the law is spiritual but paul says i am carnal sold under sin for that which i do i allow not for what i would that i do not but what i hate i do he's basically saying what i don't want to do i do the things that i want to do somehow i'm not doing them i vacillate back and forth i know that I want to do the right thing, but there's something going on. He says, for then, if then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but the old sinful nature that dwells in me. Oh, wretched man that I am, verse 24, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the Flesh, I serve the law of sin. You want to know what you you do with the flesh? The apostle, apostle Paul said, "I die daily." We have to crucify the flesh, and I'm not talking about a physical crucifixion, but we have to put to death the deeds of the flesh. And we'll get into what those are. You know, uh, from First Corinthians, or Galatians chapter five, verse sixteen, the, the works of the flesh are evidence. You know, fornication, lasciviousness, drunkenness, revelries. You know, uh, fits of rage, anger, you know, malice, you know, filthy communication out of our mouth. Those are just the, the fleshly deeds. And God wants us to put off the old nature and put on the new, which is in Christ. Now, we've talked about the outer courts, the flesh. We've talked about the inner courts, the soul, and the mind, will, and emotions where we battle. The battleground is the mind. Here's an illustration. If you had... A watershed and if a water droplet of rain landed on the top of the watershed right in the center eventually it would either go to one side of the watershed or the other so when the enemy comes in with a thought you know you can't keep the birds from flying over your head but you can certainly keep them from building a nest in your hair right well when that water drop or that thought of the enemy comes in we can either take it to the spirit take that thought captive onto the obedience of Christ, casting down every vain imagination and every high and pretentious thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, or we can allow it to go to the flesh side and run wild with it. And, you know, it could be the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, it could be the pride of life, it could be unforgiveness, you know, whatever that thing is, whatever your stronghold is, where the enemy wants to bring that thought to try to get access to you tries to run a program put a virus in your thinking so to speak and mess up your hard drive and get your computer running wappy and flappy and doing stupid stuff but god wants to rein you in he wants to crucify the old nature so when the water droplet or the thought lands in the center we get to choose which direction it goes to the spirit or to the flesh some people don't have a lot of trouble in this area other people have a lot more trouble in this area. Some people have no trouble in one category of taking thoughts captive. Other people have a lot of trouble in that area. We look at them and we're like, I can't believe they just can't figure this out. Then they see us in another category, they're like, man, I can't believe they can't figure this out. So we need to pray for one another and support one another. So for example, men might have an easier time uh, overcoming fear than women women might have an easier time overcoming you know the desire to 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 tee off on somebody verbally or to smack them with violence so we all battle with our natures differently based upon how we're made up our cultures how we're brought up the soul wounds that we might have from life how we've been traumatized and things we experience but the, the key is this God wants us all to grow from faith to faith, from glory to glory. And he wants the path to grow brighter and brighter in our life because his desire is to conform us to the image and likeness of his Son. So everything in life that happens is part and parcel of that journey that the Holy Spirit's working to conform us, make us into the image and likeness of his Son. Now, we know Jesus is a man that walked in love. He walked in power. He walked in knowledge, wisdom, understanding. He also took a triple-braided cord and, you know, whipped the money changers out of the temple. So there are times when, you know, you might have a righteous indignation rise up. Here's the litmus test. After it happens, are you over off to the side like Jesus praying for their souls and weeping for them? Or are you just, I got them. You know, so that's probably a fleshly thing. Okay, so... Outer courts is the flesh, Romans 6, 1 and 2. Inner courts is the soulless realm, mind, will, and emotions, Romans 7, 14 through 17, and also verse 24 and 25. And Holy of Holies is the Spirit, Romans 8, 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So if you feel condemned, it's not the Holy Spirit, right? There is now therefore no condemnation to them, Which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, Romans 8, 1 and 2. But after the Spirit. Remember the watershed illustration taking the thought? So if you do something where you allow the thought to go onto the flesh side and the enemy runs rampant in your life, you do feel condemnation. But it's from the devil. You'll feel conviction from the Holy Spirit, but you'll feel condemnation from the devil and probably your closest friends sometimes too. So the devil loves to get us stirred up and we end up falling prey to the flesh. And then he loves to come beat us up with condemnation, guilt, and shame. The Holy Spirit will never do that. The Holy Spirit leads, he guides, he convicts, he prompts, he prods. But his primary goal is to convict so that we can then consecrate, then he can sanctify. If we confess our faults one to another and pray for one another we will be healed and if we walk in the light as he is in the light the blood of his son cleanses us from all sin so when we get convicted by the holy spirit we just come back and say i blew it back at the woodshed there's my monogram seat you know it seems like at my confession before god it seems like a a revolving door and the angels are like oh david's here again good to see you like get under the blood get it confessed Confess and forsake it and move on. And sometimes we have what are called besetting sins. You know, lay aside every weight in the sin that doth so easily beset us, the book of Hebrews says in chapter 12. And let us run the race with diligence. And for the joy that was set before Jesus, he endured the cross. Everybody has a cross to bear in one form or another. There's a a story. A man had a dream and he was... Crying out to God, you know, as we cross I've got is too, too much to bear. I can't do it. You said you'd never give us more than we can handle. And you'd always make a way of escape. And this cross is just too much for me. So he had a dream that night. And in, in the dream, Jesus appeared to him and he was carrying, the man was carrying his cross. And Jesus says, "Is are, are you doing okay? And he says, Jesus, I'm so glad to see you. He says, it's this cross. I, 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 I talked with you about it. And Jesus says, is it too much to bear? And he said, yeah. He says, "Thank you so much." And Jesus just like waved his hand, and there was this door, and they stepped into this huge warehouse. And in this warehouse were all these different crosses, different sizes, shapes, different types of material. Some were, you know, lighter. Some were wood. Some were were, were made of metal. Some were, you know, very decorative. Some were very rough. And he put his cross down, and Jesus says, "You pick any cross you want, and when you find the one you want." you can take that one home with you. And the man looked and he tried on different crosses. And finally he saw one over by the wall and he walked over and he picked that one up and he put it on he said, this is the one. Jesus says, are you sure? Are you sure this is the one? He says, 100%, none of the others that I found prior to this feel like I can carry it. And Jesus says, well, okay. He says, but I just want to let you know, that's the one you came in with. Ah. And so the reality is, we have a grace to carry the cross we've been given. And we have a grace to carry it. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, 1 Peter 4 says, as though some strange thing happened to you. But when you're reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you, and the Spirit of God and glory resteth upon you. On their part, he's evil spoken of, but on your part, he's glorified. But let none of you suffer as a thief, or an evildoer, or a murderer, or a busybody in other men's matters. Wow. Thief, murderer, busybody, all kind of grouped together. Don't be a busybody. Don't be a nosy babuni, I think it is in Italian, where you've got your nose in somebody else's business. And so don't be a busybody. If you're there to help, only time we look down upon a person is when we're bending over to help pick them up, dust them off. Because remember, the Holy Spirit doesn't condemn, neither should we, if we're his representatives. Conviction is different than condemnation. Conviction causes us to consecrate ourselves to get cleansed and sanctified, condemnation actually pushes us further away from God because we don't feel like we can get into his presence. So condemnation is religion. Conviction is the Holy Spirit that brings us into relationship. Holy of Holies, there is now therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, remember the watershed illustration, the thought comes in, We don't take it to the flesh and run with it, we take it to the spirit. Two illustrations, there's two ministries that go on before the throne of God day and night. One is the ministry of intercession. Jesus forever liveth to make intercession, is able to save from the uttermost to the guttermost those that come to God by him. Roman or Hebrews uh, 7, 24 and 25, we're way off, you know, schedule on my notes here. I've got, you know, we're we're just flowing, okay? So Jesus forever lives to make intercession for us, forever he does it 24 7 365 and he's looking for somebody to partner with on the earth without god we cannot without us he will not he looking he's looking for somebody to partner with so when you feel prompted to intercede for somebody who's in a state he is interceding with you and for you in that person's behalf and he's empowered you by the holy spirit to intercede so the throne of god has 24 7 365 intercession going on do you know the lord intercedes for you and he'll prompt somebody else to pray and intercede he'll empower them to intercede for you and they'll call you up and they just the holy spirit came on me in intercession for you at 2 a.m what was going on and somebody will say i was getting ready to blow my head off and all of a sudden i said god i just you feel suicidal i i i just you know show me a sign and all of a sudden it was at that same time that you got up and began to intercede or they were going to take pills or they were going to quit their job the next day or they were going to go do something that was fleshly that wasn't good and god forever lives jesus forever lives to make intercession for the saints of god before the throne of god day and night 24 7 365 intercession and he partners with you and me as he calls us into that intercession there's another ministry that goes on before the throne of God day and night. Now, Hebrews 7, 24 and 25 is a ministry of Jesus of intercession. Conviction comes, deliverance comes, relationship is restored. There's another ministry that goes on before the throne of God. It's in Revelation chapter 12, verses 10, 11, 12. The, the, the accuser of the brethren has been cast down, it says, who accuses, accused the saints of God before the throne of God day and night interesting isn't it so jesus is making intercession before the throne of god in our behalfs, and the devil's making accusations before the throne of god against us now the question is if the devil has been cast down how does he have access to the throne of god now he's got to find somebody to partner with who has access to the throne of god you know we can come boldly before the throne of grace To obtain mercy and grace in the time of need, we have access by the blood of Jesus. What if the devil got into somebody's mind and their thinking, got them angry with somebody, got them offended with somebody, and then he was able to access the throne of God through you or me, and we'd switched ministries from the ministry of intercession, alignment with Jesus in the spirit, we switched and we went into the ministry of accusation with the devil. We would have partnered with the wrong spirit, wouldn't we? Very interesting, isn't it? Point to ponder. Say, La, pause and reflect. What ministry have you been in? The ministry of intercession, partnering with Jesus? Or the ministry of accusation, partnering with the devil? How would you like to get your rewards in heaven? Smoking or non-smoking section. If we talk about the most important thing about eternity, there's three things. Location, 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 location. That's right. Okay, so there's two types of people. There's Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service who presents our bodies as a living sacrifice we do we have that responsibility and that opportunity and you know the problem with a living sacrifice is the thing just keeps crawling off the altar doesn't it that's why the apostle paul says we got to die daily somebody said well you know god just made me that way you know i was born this way well get born again yeah you know Well, you know, my mind's just got stinking thinking. Well, get the mind to Christ. Lose your mind and get the mind to Christ. I mean, there's always an option here and the problem is never with God's side. It's always with us and choices. I set before you life and death and blessing and cursing. You choose this day whom you will serve. Then he like gives the answer key, choose life. Yet, not everybody got the memo. And if we don't get the memo, there could be hell to pay. <laughs> so, straighten up, check yourself or you wreck yourself, do a checkup from the neck up, because what's in the well comes up in the bucket. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I can tell you where you're at in your faith walk and in your Christian walk by what comes out of your mouth in most situations, because when you squeeze an orange, what comes out? Orange juice. Orange juice, Maybe if it's a good orange however by the way this was a trick question you could end up with a nasty worm rotten orange and it could be not edible is it the squeezer's fault no it's the orange's fault interesting so when the enemy comes in or circumstances come in and squeeze you and a rotten worm comes out or some sour stuff comes out don't blame the squeezer Don't blame the devil. The devil made me do it. No, the devil revealed what was in you. Mm -hmm. Well, so-and-so, I'm just, they bring out the worst in me. No, they reveal what God wants to deal with because the Holy Spirit is busy conforming you to the image and likeness of his son. Don't blame the person that revealed it. Ask the Lord to heal it. And God never reveals what he doesn't want to heal you see people get caught on TV and you know they were living this lifestyle and they're blaming so and so for telling on them no it's not their fault they told on them because you can't tell on somebody for something they didn't do very successfully for very long before it's exposed and the point is this if it's in us God wants to deal with it we can either do it privately with him in our prayer closet as we consecrate Unto him these matters, and then he sanctifies us with his Holy Spirit, the washing of the water, of the Word and the blood of Jesus. Or we'll be confronted with them publicly. Samson had a woman problem. Samson was resting his head in the lap of Delilah, the hairdresser, till he got his locks slipped off. Right, mm-hmm. sin will take you farther than you planned on going, keep you longer than you planned on staying. And it will cost you more than you planned on spending. Samson, it cost him his eyes. It cost him his life. But don't think the anointing still wasn't on him because the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Never count somebody out that backslid because at any time God could clean them up and use them again. Samson destroyed more Philistines in his death than he did during his life. That's right. It's not how you walk all the time it's how you end some people walk really good and then toward the end they walk really bad some people walk really messed up throughout their life but then when it comes to the final time they they really get in and they really consecrate unto the Lord and God uses them powerfully and other people get born again and they walk strong with the Lord and they finish right they walk right they start right so it doesn't matter where you're at in the process because today is the day of salvation today you get a chance for a fresh start Today, you and I get to take every thought captive under the obedience of Christ, and we need to bring it to the spirit side. And what happens is, when we do that, our faith level starts to rise. And we're going to get into that next. So Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind. Your mind is your mind, your will, emotions, imaginations, that you may prove or know or test that which is good and acceptable and perfect before the Lord. So God has a triune will. He has his good will, his acceptable will, and his perfect will. Well, guess what? You're in the will of God if you're born again. But are you under the umbrella of his triune will? Are you in his good acceptable or perfect or could we say it this way good better or best or could we say 30 fold 60 fold 100 fold or could we say are you walking in your natural man you're walking in your soulish man or you're walking in your spiritual man good better best 30 fold 60 fold 100 fold flesh soul spirit romans 6 romans 7 romans 8 we'll get into that so there's two types of people There's conformers, those that conform to the pattern of this world. We're seeing it in America right now. We're seeing it across the world. Those that are conforming to the pattern of this world, and they bought into a lie. And for those that are transformers, we've been transformed through the renewing of our mind. We look and we're like, how could they believe that? Because they've conformed, and the God of this world blinds the minds of those who are perishing, that they cannot see the glorious gospel of jesus christ second corinthians 4 3 and 4 i believe worldly minds always compare and compete my dad can beat up your dad my team is better than you i can bench press more than you got more money than you my outfit looks better than you i'm taller i'm thinner i'm you know whatever i've got on better skin whatever your thing is that you compare and compete like women compare and compete differently than men do my wife and i we were at a wedding and i was just astonished at the competition in the room with the women it was just Horrible, and men, you know, we're like we compete about how much wallet money we've gotten. You know how much we can. We still 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 tell stories about you know high school with this state football game, and we did that, dude. That's so many years ago. You you can't even throw a ball anymore. You know, (laughs) who are you competing with? You know, somebody from forty years ago. Get over it. You know, get get a new get a new competition compete against the enemy and win some souls and cast out some devils. Ministers have a tendency to compete over how many people are in their congregation. It's a funny story. I was um, at this uh, event and they called me into this uh, you know, evening of prayer in this sizable church and I was standing in for somebody else and so this person comes up to me and they said, uh, "Are you uh are you a uh, are you a pastor?" And I said, "Well, I said I, am you know, I I'm a host. And they said, well, a host? What do you host? I said, well, I host the Holy Spirit. And he looked at me. He says, you host the Holy Spirit? I said, yeah, do you host him? And he kind of didn't know how to respond. And he said, well, I'm, I'm a pastor. And you know, I graduated, you know, this degree. I've got an MDiv, Masters in Divinity. I've got a congregation of 1,500. And I said, wow, that's really great. I said, um, that's really great. I said, uh, can I ask you a question? He said, well, do you do you, do you do you have a fellowship? I said, yeah, yeah we have 40 highway. We've got about 40 people on Friday night. I said, uh, he goes, oh, 40 people. I said, I'm on a good night. Sometimes there's less. But well, we got about 40. And he said, uh, so uh, how long have you been doing that? I said, well, a few years. And I said, uh, he says, so, well, do you, do, you, do you have a degree? I said, well, I mean, technically, I'm licensed to Mary and Barry. Yeah, I've got a degree. I said, but... <laughs> But yeah, I said, but you know, I just like to host the Holy Spirit. (coughs) And he said to me, he said, well, I said, let me ask you a question. I said, do you guys have a pretty big intercession room? He says, what do you mean? He says, we've got a choir. I I know, but do you have a a room where you intercede? Because much prayer, much power, little prayer, little power, no prayer, no power. I mean, you've got 1,500 members in your congregation. You've got to have a big prayer room. Well, no, we don't have a prayer room. I'm like, well, okay. I said, do you guys have a prison ministry? And he said to me, he said, well, no, we don't have a prison ministry. And I said, well, I said, I'm confused. I'm, you've got 1,500 members. I said, do you guys have evangelism teams? Do you guys go out into the highways and the byways? And, and I'm, I'm not trying to give too much information, but this demographic, um, I just I'm going to stay away from this, but the bottom line is this. Everything I asked him, he had no fruit. with 40 people on 40 people on Friday night on 40 Highway in Independence, Missouri, we had just funded crusades in Africa that won 205,000 souls to Christ that year out of a fellowship with 40. We had a prison ministry that put bonded, leather-bound Bibles in facilities, over a thousand of them. We had a Christmas card program that put cards in prisoners' hands for 9,000 prisoners that year from 40. Signs and wonders happened every Friday night in the service. Deaf heard, blind saw, metal bent in people's back, surgical metal. People would get dental miracles. I mean, new knees, documented stuff every Friday night night. God would never allow me to grow that congregation. Little did I know we'd go from 40 highway with 40 people to the super highway with 100 million homes on TV, but God kept us hidden. And so I looked at him and finally I asked him all these questions and I said to him, I'm confused. What exactly do you do over there with 1500 people? You have no prison ministry. You have no missions. You have no evangelism. You have no intercession room. What do you do over there? He says, well, I preach. (laughs) And we grow membership. I said, so it's basically kind of a social club that you add Jesus to. And he looked at me and I said, well, I said, I'm just a host. I said, but I'm gonna continue to be a host because I kinda like the fruit from hosting the Holy Spirit. I said, I don't really give myself a title, I'm just a son. But you know, I talk with dad on a regular basis. I'll tell him what a great job you're doing down here. (laughs) So they call me up and everybody's praying and they finally call me up and I get up and I grab the microphone and everybody's been praying these high platitude prayers very flowery a lot of syncopation very melodic i grabbed the microphone and i said holy spirit come and the presence of god rolled into that room and the atmosphere changed and then real prayer began exhibition ended and Jesus showed up and then the work of the Holy Spirit began afterward that same man came back quite humble and in tears and asked if I would come and preach the Easter message at his church he needed some of that for his congregation 1500 there was a man who was a tremendous actor on stage in New York And at the end of his tremendous acting every night, he would quote the 23rd Psalm. And as he would quote the 23rd Psalm, he would do it with this rousing energy. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And he would go through each verse of the 23rd Psalm. And at the end, there would be a rousing cheer from everybody that had heard this (coughs) New York Broadway actor just knock it out of the park. And one day there was a 90-year-old man with a cane, and he came walking up onto the platform after the man was getting ready to do it. And he said, excuse me, excuse me, and he looked at the man, he said, sir, I'm I'm on stage. He said, I know. He said, but tonight, he says, would it be okay if an old man quoted the 23rd song? And the man looked, and everybody looked at the old man, and to honor him, nobody knows how much time he had left. They said, let him do it. Let him do it. Well, the actor was now in a position where he had to because the crowd wanted this old man with a cane, to quote the ninety-first Psalms 23. Did I say Psalm 23? I say Psalm 91. Anyway, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Anyway, so the man got up and the man had no fanfare. Quietly, he grabbed the microphone. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. There was no fanfare in it. And as he got to the final verse, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life as I dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There was no applause. There was silence. And people began to weep. And one by one, they left this Hollywood Broadway playhouse, or the Broadway, and and they left. And the seasoned actor looked at the old man and he says, I don't understand. He says, I am trained in the best schools. He says, people give a rousing applause. He said, you have no formal training in acting. He says, and you got a completely different response. One that I've never seen before. There's not a dry eye in the house. Everybody left in silence. He says, and I'm greatly impacted. He says, I don't understand. And the 90-year-old man said, you know the psalm of the shepherd. I know the shepherd of the psalm. Tonight, it's not how much you know. It's who you know. And people don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care. Worldly minds compare and compete; heavenly minds contrast and complete one another. If I see somebody who's a singer or a musician, I don't compare and compete with them. I contrast and complete with them. I want them. If I see somebody who has a prophetic or fivefold ministry office gift or gift of healing, I don't compare and compete with them. I want them because together we're better. Where one can put a thousand, like two can chase ten thousand. When I met my wife, my wife is incredibly gifted and anointed and not difficult on the eyes. <laughs> right? She's beautiful. So the point is pastors and pastor's wives were often comparing and competing with my wife, Joanna. So she would get in the pulpit to sing in Hebrew and the presence of God would come because of a relationship And the wife would not want Joanna back in the church because she felt like the husband might be after Joanna. Joanna wasn't interested in the husband. Or Joanna would get in the pulpit and the power of God would fall and the pastor would be, oh my gosh, I could lose my congregation. I can't have her around. Saul has slain his thousands, but Joanna has slain her tens of thousands, you know? So, that type of thing so when i met joanna and i saw the gifting in her i was like celebrating oh my gosh somebody with this kind of gifting so i'm like trying to put her on platforms and people are getting blessed so worldly people compare and compete godly people contrast and complete we esteem others better than ourselves god brings us out of the dark world to bring us into the good land he promised us. Proverb or Deuteronomy 6, 22 and 23. And then we're going to go into three levels of faith and we're going to close out. Deuteronomy 6, 23, uh, 22 and 23. And the Lord showed signs and wonders before our eyes, great and severe against Egypt, Pharaoh, and all of his household. Then he brought us out from there. He brought us out from Egypt that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swore to our fathers. When God saved you, he brought you out of Egypt. He translated you out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his dear son. He brought us out from thence, Egypt, bondage, wilderness, making bricks and straw and getting pots of meat, boiled onions, boiled potatoes. He brought us out from thence that he might bring us into the land that he promised us, a land flowing with milk and honey. You know, that's his desire for you and me. Do you know how long of a walk it is from Egypt to Canaan land? About 11 days. Took them 40 years. Why did it take them so long? Because they kept walking around in circles, tempting God. They would not yield to the Holy Spirit, they would not yield to the ways of God. Instead, they kept walking in the flesh. How long do you want to delay getting into the land of Canaan? How long do you want to delay? on your journey, 11 days? Is it gonna be 40 years? You know, some people sit in church, they've been born again 30 years, but they can't tie two verses of scripture together, they can't heal a flea of a headache, and I'm astonished. A flea of a headache. Other people, I can teach them how to heal the sick in five minutes and they'll be out on Venice Beach pulling people out of wheelchairs the next day and I'm like astonished how they caught this thing. It doesn't have to take forever. You know, the Bible says he gives more grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. James 4, 7, James 4, 8. So if he resists the proud, could we be proud Christians and God actually resists us? We're blaming the devil for resisting us when really it's God who's resisting us because of our pride. And he just wants to convict us, bring us to the altar. We consecrate that issue to him and then he sanctifies us and we rise up with a code of humility. Humility goes so much farther than the Brioni suit. But wouldn't it be nice if you could wear a nice Brioni suit and stay humble? God will give you both. That's just a type of suit. Anyways, Um, long story short, when we, God resists the proud, but he gives more grace to the humble. The word proud actually could be translated in one sense, unteachable. Do you have a teachable spirit? you're humble. Do you have an unteachable spirit? Could it be that you're prideful? Mm -hmm. So when we're prideful, God resists us. When we're humble, God comes close to us. And when we intercede for our enemies and ask God to have mercy on them, we're teachable. We have the mind and the heart of Christ. When we ask for God to bring fire from heaven on them, we may have partnered with the wrong spirit. And then even if God answers that prayer, May not have been him answering it. We may have partnered partnered with the enemy and operated in a little Pentecostal charismatic witchcraft. You don't want to do that. Amen? Okay. There's three levels of faith. There's obedient faith, experimental faith, and commanding faith. From right down to right down. Three levels of faith. Obedient faith, experimental faith, and commanding faith. Obedient faith, Luke Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. It's the story of Jesus when the disciples, before they were the disciples, are out fishing. And they've caught nothing and Jesus tells them to go cast out their nets on the other side now prideful would be who's this rabbi think he is we're the experts we're the fishermen we haven't caught anything we don't need this guy running his mouth telling us how to fish and it was an illogical instruction but what what do they do we've caught nothing Let's go ahead and throw our nets out one more time on the other side. They catch such a great catch of fishes. They don't even have room to bring it in. And so obedient faith is when God tells us to do something that's illogical and we obey. I'm going to tell you what, tithing is illogical. Can't Get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. That's the way to make money. God's way is give a portion unto seven and eight sow seed, you'll get a bigger harvest. If what's in your hand is too small to be your harvest, it's got to be your seed. Don't eat it. Plant it. And God will add increase. But we're like, that's not the way it works. I talked to my investment banker. He told me don't do that. You can do it God's way and he'll bless you. You can do it your way. And I gotta share something with you. When you sow 10%, you partner with God, you're obedient. And God can do far more with uh, 90% than you or I can with the hundred. Can I share something with you? This is very interesting. Do you know that you will never keep the tithe? You'll never keep it. You'll either give it to God willingly, consecrate it, and then you'll bless it, or you'll keep it and you've actually partnered with the devil and he'll eat it. He'll eat your seed and now he has access to the 90%. Wow. Wow. Anyway, so obedient faith is God tells you to pray, you pray. God tells you to tithe, you tithe. God tells you to forgive, you forgive. You don't need a prophetic word from the Lord to tithe. You don't need a prophetic word from the Lord to forgive. You don't need a prophetic word from the Lord to spend time in prayer, pray without ceasing. You don't need a prophetic word from the Lord to fast. The Bible says when you pray, when you give, and when you fast. It never says if you give, if you pray, and if you fast. So just outer courts, Denying the flesh, that's the basics. That's outer courts faith. And when they obey, boom, a great job of fish has come in. Number two, experiment, experimental faith, Matthew 14, 22. Now, you can't always do this. You can always give. You can always pray. You can always you know, fast whatever you want. You can always forgive. You can always go out and evangelize. I mean, those are just things that you do share your faith. But experimental faith is a little different animal, Okay. Matthew 14 22. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up onto a mountainside by himself to pray. Notice how Jesus gets away to pray. Much prayer, much power, little prayer, little power, no prayer, no power. If you got no power, you got no prayer. If you got a lot of power. It's because you've been in a lot of prayer. And sometimes you're on the front lines and you're like, man, where'd this power come from? I'm not prayed up. Well, somebody else prayed for you for that individual to receive the miracle. You're just a releaser of what's been prayed up in the vials of heaven. Okay, so here's what happened. After he had dismissed them, he went up into a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. Matthew 14, 24. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffered by the waves, because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to meet went, went out to them walking on the lake. So Jesus is walking on water. Pretty cool stuff, right? I bet if he wouldn't prayed up, he wouldn't have been doing that. And he was also led by the spirit. So God had him go catch up with him. You know, by the way, that's a big lake. That's not like I know where the stones are at so I can get across the pond. This is he's walking on water. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said unto them, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter replied, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Experiment. You can experiment in your faith with God. You just have to ask him if it's okay. And if he gives you the go-ahead, do it. Like the Nike commercial says. Just do it. By the way, they got that from Jesus' mom. Whatever Jesus tells you to do, just do it. John chapter 2 on the water to wine. Yeah, Nike knocked that off, but it's not a patent on it. So um, there is a copyright on it now. Jesus should have that copyright. So Jesus said, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, and came towards Jesus. Pretty cool. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Do you see how the watershed, a thought came in, very real circumstances. He's walking on water. And then he looks at the circumstances. And his faith goes from the supernatural experimental faith back to the natural realm. And what's interesting is this. When he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Verse 31, Matthew 14, 31. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith. He said, why did you doubt. And this is where we all have a tendency to struggle. Jesus tells us to do something. We step out and we experiment. The other 11 look good in the boat. They got great optics. They don't sink. They don't make mistakes. They just don't do much for God. They got a congregation of 1,500. Hmm. Amen or ouch. Okay. Okay. So, so what happens is, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Instantly, Jesus calms the storm. You know, he can calm it at any time, but sometimes he wants to strengthen us in our faith with little Holy Ghost upper body enhancement exercises through some challenges or through some opposition. When Jesus told him, you of little faith, do you know what the word little means there? It doesn't mean little as in size. It means little as in endurance. So Peter had faith, but it was not enduring faith. It was thumbtack faith. He got his faith kind of pointed in the right direction and just went about that much. So we have to have enduring faith, but you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, Hebrews says, 1035, that you might receive the promise. Faith and patience are the power twins. Faith and patience. Faith and endurance while God works all things together for good. So the first type of, first level of faith is obedient faith. Outer courts, getting the flesh under, Inner courts is experimental faith. Asking Jesus if you can go do something. Step out and do it. And if he says yes, you go do it and then you need to endure. And even if you mess up with experimental faith, he'll pick you up and put your feet back on solid ground. You know, Peter really gets a bad rap. Peter cuts off a centurion's ear, he denies Christ three times, he walks on water, and he sinks. I mean, he you know, uses some profanity in front of a girl. I mean he rebukes Jesus and Jesus says, get thee behind me. Satan Now has not in mind the things of God, but of man. I mean, if you look at Peter, he's disqualified. However, from the eyes of faith, he's qualifying himself with God. And he's ashamed of himself. And Jesus shows up and says, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my lambs. And God restores him. You want to know why Peter fell three times? Because... Every time Jesus says, won't you tarry with me just one hour in prayer, Peter fell asleep. The Bible says, pray that you enter not into temptation. I used to think that that meant, Lord, I pray I don't enter into temptation. Lord, I pray I don't enter into temptation. It's not what it means. It says, spend time in prayer. And you got face time with God. His presence becomes part of your life because you spent time with him you're changed from glory to glory. You're transformed into the image and likeness of His son. You might go in scared or angry, and you come out bold as a lion with the peace of God because you spent time with him. Had Peter prayed with Jesus those three hours, is there a possibility he wouldn't have denied him three times? So anytime the Holy Spirit wakes you up in the middle of the night and he asks you to pray, what I encourage you to do is obey. Amen. Amen. The third type of faith. So we have outer courts, obedient faith. Jesus said it in the Scripture: Do it, Nike it. Number two, experimental faith. If you see somebody else doing something, ask the Lord. Lord, I kind of like to do that too. You know, Joanna and I were just at a at a big TV ministry out in North Carolina. And we saw somebody who had great faith in an area. We're like, we want that. And so I asked the woman to pray for us. She says, well, I'm kind of tired. And I said, she said, maybe we'll get together in the green room tomorrow. I said, no, I'm putting a demand on the gift tonight. And she looked and she smiled because I put a demand on the gift. There was a woman who touched Jesus' garment. Nobody else got healed. And when she touched the hem of his garment, he felt virtue go out of him. And he said, who touched me? Lord, the multitudes are thronging you. We don't know who touched you. No, somebody touched me with faith, and it pulled virtue out of me. So when I said that to her, she looked and she smiled because she saw faith. I put a demand on the gift. I was touching the hem of the garment. I recognized the gift within her, and I'm tapping into that. So she got up and she prayed over Joanna and me. She prophesied, we recorded, it It was powerful. The details that she saw was clarion, crystal clear. And then I said, would you do us a favor? I said, you have a seer anointing on you. You're able to see into the spirit. We have a light form of that compared to what you have. Would you pray that God would give us that seer gifting at a new level? And she looked and she says, yes. We knelt before her out of an act of humility. We weren't kneeling before a person we were kneeling before the lord and recognizing the office that this woman carried and as she put her fingers on her forehead i felt like the holy spirit began to for lack of a better terms and i don't want people to you know heretic hunt me and come after me on this i'm just telling you (laughs) what my experience was and it was as if the blinders in that area dissolved is the only way i could describe it try to anchor it in scripture here Blinders fell off a pole when Ananias prayed for him. So there was something that was keeping us from seeing into the realm of the Spirit more clearly. We'd see glimpses, this and that. But ever since, and I asked Joanna afterwards, I said, did you, she described the exact same thing that I felt. And since then, we've had more of a seer gifting on us. Now, if I'd have met her in the green room the next day, it may not have happened. We may never have gotten to it. So sometimes people come up and they ask me to pray and I'm tired. They're like, I I don't have the energy. And I'm like, I just pray for them out of obedience. The power of God hits them because it's their hunger that pulled heaven through me. You see it? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be filled. So it's not your ability, it's your availability. And it's their hunger that pulls heaven through you. Some of the greatest miracles I've ever seen were when I was tired and I did not want to pray because I didn't feel anointed. But God's anointed all the time. And if he lives in you, the anointing's in you all the time. And whatever gift that somebody needs, if the Son of God lives in you, the Holy Spirit, Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27, anything that Jesus did, if he lives in you, and he's the same yesterday, today, forever, Hebrews 13.8, is possible today. Why? Because he lives in you. And when you stretch your hand out, the nail-scarred hand of Calvary will touch them in spite of our frailty and weakness. And remember, you may not be prayed up, but somebody else may have prayed for them and that person's miracle is now being released. God's looking for a few good men and women to partner with on the earth to call those things which be not as though they are. So outer courts, obedient faith, inner courts, experimental faith. And when you experiment and fail, it's okay. Who was preaching the gospel on the day of Pentecost when the 3000 got saved? It wasn't those 11 people in the boat with good optics. It was Peter. The mess up, impetuous Peter, he was the guy that kept failing, but he failed forward and he preached the gospel on the day of Pentecost and three thousand got saved. Then his shadow began healing the sick and casting out devils in Acts chapter five, but he grew from faith to faith, from grace to grace, from glory to glory as the path grew brighter and brighter and he got stronger and stronger in the Lord, commanding faith. Acts chapter three, and then we're gonna close. Acts 3, 1, 3, 11. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. Now, Acts chapter 2, 3,000 just got saved, right? Tongues, prophecy, dreams, vision. This is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel in the last days. Say, God, I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will see dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my men servants and maidservants servants in those days. It will prophesy. This is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel. Joel's bar is open. Come get the Holy Spirit wine, you know? Well, the very next chapter... One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. What? At the time of Prayer. prayer. You see how prayer births miracles. Much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. Your phone works because you put it on charge. Your relationship with the Lord and communication with him works when you get charged up in prayer. And you can do it. In the morning, you can do it. In the evening, I like to get up early and pray. And I like to pray in tongues. I like to pray in the spirit. I like to pray in English. I like to get in the word. And I like to get up when nobody else is awake. And sometimes I fall back asleep in prayer and then I'll have a dream or a revelation. Or somehow I just wake up and I know what to do because I get a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. But if I was just sleeping versus getting up and going into prayer, I might miss my day of visitation with him, my friend, Dr. Diane, she's out in California. She would get up every morning and she would spend time in prayer. And great miracles happened in her life and ministry. She and her husband were with Catherine Kuhlman's ministry about 15 years. And she still leads probably 20 people to Christ a month in her office where she works as an atropath. Dear friend of hers. And she said that she had a dream and she, she stopped spending time in the mornings in the Word, getting revelation from the Lord. And one morning she had a dream she slept in. And in the dream, she saw an angel coming down the driveway with a platter with scriptures and revelation on the platter, a silver platter. And as she saw the angel, she got very excited. And then her angel was standing at the house. And he said to the other angel, oh, no, she's not available to see you right now. (laughs) She's sleeping in. (laughs) and she woke up from that dream lord forgive me i was tired and so god will give us as much he gives more grace to the humble seek and you shall find knock and the door will be open ask and you shall receive Matthew 7 7 and 8 so if we seek him with all of our heart he'll show up he'll send angels with revelation if we won't seek him There's nobody to answer the door when the angel shows up. Sleeping, sleeping, don't have time for God. (laughs) Then we're like, God, I don't know why this happened. I tried to bring you the answer, but you were sleeping. Okay, so commanding faith one day. So now a man who was lame from birth, this is Acts chapter three, verse two, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. You know, when you have faith, you can tell somebody, look at me, because they'll see faith in your eyes because it's Jesus looking back at them, who's the author and finisher of their faith. And sometimes people say, I don't have faith for that. I'm like, I've got faith for both of us. Can I pray? Now just look at him and they'll look into my eyes but it's not my faith, it's him on the inside, the author and finisher of faith. And they'll be like, okay, and I'll pray, and they'll get healed instantly. We were on a, a TV broadcast with somebody and they played a clip. There was a woman who was deaf and in an ear. We were in a church in Kansas City and my videographer had done had finished recording the service, but he saw us praying for some people afterwards. So he spun around and grabbed cried the, the, the moment. So I said to her, I said, oh, you've got deaf ear, you know, this and that. She said yeah i said well you know can i pray for you for god to heal you and she says oh i just don't know if i'm gonna have enough faith and i looked at her i said oh that's okay i've got faith for both of us she said oh thank you put my ear finger in her ear made the commands god popped her ear open and she was like got, got healed and we you know tested her ear and i said would you pray for people?" for them to be healed now of deaf ears? She said, yes. And she immediately had faith to pray for others to be healed because she'd just been healed. So we partner with Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith. You don't muster faith up. You yield to him. You ask him to show you something or to speak something to you that builds your faith because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I've got a book called Hearing God 25 Different ways hearing God 25 different ways. I think you can even go to hearing God 25 different ways And I think there's an eight-part video series you can watch on How to hear God 25 different biblical ways or you can go get the book on virtual church com, either PDF or Amazon Kindle or softback or whatever but Faith comes by hearing and when you hear God or you see him show you a glimpse of something you suddenly have faith because it's his faith and he gave you a piece of it that raised you up you know what the number one thing is we hear from people when they get healed i can't believe it i can't believe it the pain's gone it takes so little faith to get healed god meets us at our point of faith we have a prayer request for ronnie w He's got a, he is really, he doesn't want to Ronnie W., in the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody stretch your hand. Loose him right now in Jesus' name. Loose him. I cast this thing out, this spirit of infirmity. I command it to go completely right now in the name of Jesus. I command brand new body parts to form in that knee. And if you need any sort of miracle and you're watching online or you're watching or listening to a recording or, you know, the same anointing, the same power that raised Jesus Christ of Nazareth out of the grave shall also quicken your mortal bodies. In the name of Jesus, I command joints and ligaments and tendons. I also see the Lord working with... uh, hearing loss and uh, tinnitus the ringing in the ear i command you to go from them right now in the name of jesus i see god doing something in c2 and c3 and c4 in the neck right in there in the cervicals and all an area up on the atlas for a person in jesus name and the axis if i haven't caught there's a shoulder being healed right now see i'm seeing these things i'm calling them out you hear it faith comes by hearing you connect with it. Now, I'm encouraging you right now. There's also a person with a, a problem in the lower back. God's healing right now. It just began to move around. They're healed as they're going, the scripture says. Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priests that were leprous. And it says that, and it came to pass, as they went, they were healed. They were healed as they were going to go show themselves to the priests. So I also break off carpal tunnel syndrome. I command the nerves inside the tunnel to uh, uh, no longer be inflamed. I command them to come into their correct size, width, length, and elasticity. And I command uh, the spirit of infirmity to go right now, once and for all, also the uh, root cause of headaches in your body and torment in the night. I command it to go, to go, to go, to go completely out. And we just break that off now. I canceled the spirit of infirmity, torment, And I break off witchcraft, off of your life. I break it off uh, that has come even by well-meaning people that are trying to control you with their words. They think they know best. Father knows best. Father God, the Holy Spirit knows best. Jesus knows best. People don't know best. And when they come with a control spirit, they may think they're doing you a favor, but it's a form of witchcraft. It's a form of manipulation, intimidation, and domination. And I break that off of you right now. And I release you to walk in holiness and to be free unto God. I also just saw that there's, the Lord wants to set people free. He's giving you an invitation. You've even said, Lord, if you want me to quit smoking, have him call me out. Well, you've been called out. God always promises to deliver us from our enemies but he never promises to deliver us from our buddies. So if you declare that cigarettes and that addiction is your enemy, God will deliver you here and now. There is a grace. He'll even remove the very desire. Also, uh, chewing tobacco I'm seeing as well and, and, and marijuana addiction and now pharmaceuticals, I see that as well. Just because they're prescribed and they're legal doesn't mean God wants you to rely upon them for your peace. He is a peace who has broken down every wall. He is a peace. He is a peace. I release the shalom peace of God instead of Xanax. I break that thing's power instead of that, uh, that thing you've taken that you thought it was good because the doctor prescribed it and they think they're doing a good job god's got something better for you god wants to set you free in jesus name not a 12-step program but a one-step holy ghost program by the power of jesus name and the grace of the holy spirit he is our peace who has broken down every wall? He is our shalom, peace. He is our peace. Something about that song, you know. Singing is not my primary gift, but I know that when I release the song of the Lord, God moves. Also, a prayer for a sliding, uh, heidel hernia. Heidel hernia. Yeah. In the name of Jesus, I command. I freeze time in Jesus' name right now. I command it to be frozen. Lord, I ask you to take them back to when this thing entered their body. Yes, Jesus. Jesus, I ask you to now step into that place. You were wounded for our transgressions. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon you. You were bruised for our iniquities and by your wounds were healed. Now, I thank you, Lord, for now taking his place even as you took their place on the cross you took our place on the cross you were hung up for our hang ups you who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus we now now thank you father god for now just stepping in in the timeline and absorbing the damage and the trauma and turning it out of their bodies i commanded to be uncreated in the timeline Jesus, I thank you that you are outside of time. You're eternal without beginning or end. You gave us time for us. We are in time. Thank you for stepping in and taking us back in the timeline in any area where there was sexual trauma, there was verbal abuse, where there was things that fell on us, accidents, our legs were shattered. And I thank you now for bringing the individual person by the hand back in the timeline when that happened as they relive the experience, Lord. I thank you for stepping in and averting disaster and uncreating it as if it never was in the timeline. We command healing be in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you for bringing them back now in the timeline of the present, which is the gift that you've given them, the present. In Jesus' name, I encourage you to move around and do what you couldn't do. About 30% of the people that get healed don't even know they've been healed until they begin to move around and all of a sudden they find that it's lifted. The other thing I would encourage you to do is simply say thank you, Jesus. So when you say thank you, Jesus, you're acknowledging the source and supply and then more healing manifests when you thank him at the office of thanksgiving i also encourage you to watch a video online called howtofreezetime.com howtofreezetime.com we recorded that with uh sid roth uh, a few weeks ago and god has been healing a lot of people through howtofreezetime.com is the video it's about a 40 minute video and it breaks all of it down so you have some biblical basis and anchored in scripture from joshua chapter 10 verse 12 through 14 how joshua said "Son, stand still they were able to defeat their enemies or something when god freezes time the enemy can't move and he bounces in and does everything and then boom he turns it back on and you've got victory so how to freeze time.com we are going to close out tonight three levels of faith obedient faith outer courts inner courts is experimental faith if you see something that somebody else is doing, ask God if you can do it. And if he says yes, then go forth. Even if you sink on the waters or you struggle, your faith may be small, you'll grow your faith from faith to faith. And then uh, you'll be having commanding faith. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And Peter grabbed him by the hand and immediately strength came into his ankle bones. Acts chapter three, commanding faith. He didn't pray to God. He directed the miracle to happen. Why? He wasn't commanding God, it was Christ in him that was doing the commands. And if you get yielded to him, he'll have you say some things. And it's really him on the inside of you because his word doesn't go forth and return void, but it accomplishes what it's been sent forth to do. The key is this, open your mouth and he will fill it. And when you release the word, he'll confirm the word with his power. We don't command angels, but when God puts a word in our mouth, It's the voice of the Lord that the angels are responding to because we're in relationship with the Master because we are prayed up. Much prayer, much power, little prayer, little power, no prayer, no power. And God is setting you free on that nicotine thing. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I'm David, my lovely wife, Joanna. We are the Herobedians virtualchurchmedia.com. Please feel free to visit our site and partner with us. If you've been blessed, we encourage you to partner, step out on faith, because God can do more with your 90% than you can do with 100, especially when you partner with the other side. He's a seed eater. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus comes to give life and to give it more abundantly. God doesn't need your money. He needs your obedience. And if he's got your heart, he'll have your money too. If he doesn't have your heart, he won't have your money. Someone else will. Anyway, God bless you richly, and we'll see you next week. Three levels of faith. Obedient, experimental, commanding faith. God's growing your faith right now. Bye-bye.